I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Raptors Over Everything live call-in show. The Outsports Canada. I'm your host, Wayne Lou. Joined, as always, by call-in host, Josh Hart. Josh, what's going on, man? I feel, first off, we're both very pumped that this thing is finally back. Uh, we've missed hearing the callers obviously we've done the twitter questions and that's been really great but we want to actually hear your voices we want you guys to actually call in and uh josh what's the number they can hit us at the number is 866-219-2758 we'll be taking calls you can leave a voicemail if we don't get to you and we'll play it on the show at some point in the future Uh, but it's good it's good to be back he stay we stay you know it's uh we have i have some thoughts on the trade deadline but we'll get into that but Above all else, it's really nice to be back on the call-in show. I've missed, uh, you know, hearing all of our friends, Kate, Vitali, um, the rest of you. Well, mm-hmm. uh, Ilham's through her first year of university. I, I, I oh, can't wait to. Yeah. <laughs> I can't wait to hear back from, uh, you know, the call-in show regulars. Um, you know what? I feel like every single show has let off with Kyle Lowry, and that's almost disrespectful because, like, we Kyle's still here. Yeah. And we can talk about Kyle for the next few months if we want to. But Norm is gone. And I know Norm's your man. Uh, I mean, how are you feeling personally? Before we take any calls, let's just hear your thoughts on Norm Powell. I know you love the man, a beloved countryman. I, I mean, first of all, an iconic Jamaican. Um, but I, I love Norm's time in Toronto. Uh, from Like he, you know, while Kyle and Damar and JV were the like leaders of the We the North era, it was guys like Norm who made title contention possible because you know he was a draft night acquisition um and he he developed into a guy who you know started for this team for a time and while he wasn't you know everyone's ideal starter all the time he was a real contributor um and guys like him sort of made the the title run possible um and i know that's weird to say because he wasn't a star player and never will be but he was the kind of guy who every title team needs to have and to develop him here um, and to have, for him to be like, a great personality, uh, it was awesome. And I, I'll miss Norm. You know, it was fun to see him dunk on everything for the first few years of his career. The last few seasons, him becoming this elite knockdown shooter guy who this season especially was able to score at every level, unlike the rest of this roster. It was awesome to see him. I'm going to miss him. I hope he does great in Portland. I don't know how long he'll be there, which is a little weird. I don't really see them. I don't really see them uh, retaining him long-term. But, you know, Norm is an all-time great Raptor. He will be hopefully returning to Scotiabank Arena every couple years, along with Muggsy Bogues and with Chris Bosh now, to wave at fans and to uh, sign old jerseys. And that's all right. I, I, I will miss him, but I'm happy for him. He is immortalized with the 2019 uh, championship uh, squad. And uh, I hope him the very best in Portland and wherever he heads to next. I know that you're saying that uh, Indiana might be interested at some point. So I don't know. How about you? How are you feeling about uh, about Norm? How are you feeling about Matt Thomas? I don't feel anything about Matt Thomas. I mean, it, 
I, did people people knew what we were saying with the propaganda, right? Like I thought like there was promise last year. I thought like the upside there would have been like a like very, very best case situation, like uh, Seth Curry. Yeah. You know, like a undersized guard that can come off the bench, shoot threes, you know, maybe handle a little bit, play make a little bit. Because it did seem like he had some of those chops, but um, no, I don't really feel anything about it. I mean, look, they weren't using Terrence. They weren't using Matt. So if you can get two second round picks for those guys who like literally the Raptors lost five guys due to COVID, including some very important players. And most importantly, a lot of scoring with that. And they yeah. still didn't play Terrence and Matt. So those guys weren't in the plans to get second round picks for those guys. I don't mind. Um, now, the other thing is just with Norm, I'm just like really proud of the guy. Like, I think, you know, it sucks that he, he had this breakout year and all everyone wanted to talk about was, wow, this, that must mean his trade value is high. You know, like it just sucks. Like that's yeah. I got the last question I asked to Norm when he in his last Raptors press conference. Like I just asked him, like, do you feel like, first off, do you feel personally proud of like the the steps that you took this year? Because I think he should. And he said, you know, that's something he looks at the end of the season. He doesn't look at it in the moment, which is fair enough. But then I asked him, like, do you feel pr- like do you feel like appreciated for how much improvement you made? Yeah. And he was a little bit confused by the question, and I don't think he specifically. Well, I, I think I don't think I specifically directed that towards the Raptors, and you know, kind of just in general. And he says, "Yeah, I do kind of feel appreciated, but I, I don't know. I just feel a little bit bad for the guy. I understand the move. I like the move. I think it's a prudent move. Uh, I think yeah. it makes more sense to get a guy like Gary Trent moving forward. I think he's going to be younger, and um, there's more upside, and it, it might even cost the Raptors less. So I, I see it, but." You know, I, I just feel appreciative of a guy like Norm. I think he like lived up to his word. You yeah. know, the understand the grind and everything like that. And he UGG, really, maybe. he really understood the grind. Do you understand the grind now? I've always understood the grind, but uh, mm. yeah, it's. I, I I do agree with the the prudent decisions made yesterday. Um, I have big questions about the like diamond handing of Kyle Lowry. Is just kind of still a question mark, but. Yeah, I think that uh, Davis and Matt Thomas were no longer part of the rotation. Didn't make sense to keep them. Norm, yeah, it's kind of what you and many others said, that this Raptors organization has to look at their roster and their future and sell. So they sold. Um, Gary Trent seems really cool. (laughs) I will say that. He does seem like, you know, a really cool guy. I like the names of all of his brothers. Um, Gary's son, Gary Dunn. Um, I think he has another brother named Gary Dose. I, I'm not 100 sure on that. We need to <laughs> we need to confirm. Oh, I love it. I love it, man. I love it. But, That's. Uh, well, all right, whatever. Let's uh, let's bring in our first caller. Uh, we got Amon from Brampton. He wants to talk about uh, Kyle Larry, who is still a Toronto Raptor. He is still persevering. Uh, Amon, uh, welcome to the program. Hi, um, love the show. I wanted to ask, what do you think goes behind some of the undervaluing that other teams do when they look at Lowry? Do you think that's like a front office thing or do you think it's like among his peers, among the players? Josh? Oh, um, I don't know. I think that players recognize Kyle Lowry's value. value. Um and coaches recognize Kyle Lowry's value. I don't. I do think there were limited options for him to go to that Kyle Lowry was going to consent to, um, and that made sense to acquire him. Um, 
And I don't know. I, I'm not sure I really disagree with... I disagree with Daryl Morey because it's cowardice. Like, the the window is shrinking. Um, with Pat Riley and the Heat, maybe I think that there's some justification for retaining a guy like Tyler Hero if you really believe in him. Um, but besides that, there wasn't really that many places for... There weren't many places for Kyle to go. I think you could legitimately walk away and say that these three options, none of them were very good. Um but do you think do you think that there was a, a an undervaluing of Kyle at at hand will or do you think it was just the asking price was rather high justifiably so and sometimes you know expensive things go unsold look at the Toronto housing market well wow. <laughs> then the plot of Kyle's house uh anyway uh i think a lot of these other teams formulated plan b's and they ultimately decided that that was more more prudent. Like the Victor Oladipo came for free, and you would say obviously I think <laughs> Kyle was more predict- like more productive this season, and maybe even next season than Victor is considering he's been so up and down. But the Heat were like looking at it like, yo, this guy's gonna come for free, and you know with with Kyle we would have to actually move one or two rotation pieces. And when you're in a contention spot, you never really want to move multiple contention, like rotation pieces. Maybe if it's a one-for-one swap, like you swap out JV for Marc Gasol, you're like, okay, I'll do that deal because I know Marc can do more of what we need from the team at that position. And we weren't really going to play CJ Miles and DeLon Wright in a playoff rotation anyway. So let's just get rid of those guys. You make that trade. For the Heat, like they're going to, like Duncan Robinson, even though they were willing to trade him, he's still going to play for them and play a pretty big role. So, like, that's something that they were probably considering. Um, I think the Sixers, for them, it made the most sense because they were going to have to give up, like, a Danny Green, who they would replace with Kyle. Not the same position, but still another guard that you can put out there. And then other pieces, like Mike Scott, like, that's not really that important to them in terms of their success. And then it's, like, at that point, just prospects, right? And I do wonder if maybe the issue with the Sixers was just, like, the Sixers looked at the situation and said, we have three maximum players between Ben Simmons Joel Embiid and uh, Tobias Harris, who are making probably close to a hundred, like somewhere between like 80 and a hundred million. And then if you add in Kyle Lowry, who wants 25 mil, you're at a hundred, you're at a hundred million at least for just four players and moving forward. And that's going to be hard to build a roster around that. So maybe they, they balked at sort of just the salary that Kyle was going to get next year. But um, I think there was an undervaluing. I mean, I think, you know, if, if I'm the heat, to be honest, if I were a Heat fan, I would be a little bit pissed if I got rid of Tyler Hero for Kyle. Not in the sense that, like, you know, Kyle's, like, Tyler Hero's better than Kyle. I just think that, like, they have so much emotional attachment to Tyler because he was such a big, like, hero for them. Like, literally, no pun intended, in last year's playoffs. This guy put 37 on the Celtics, right? So, average um, for them, av- I, don't, average I, don't, double I don't mind. Average digits in the finals. Like, Hero's he he scored, good. He, he scored double digits in every game, which is, like, hard to say for a lot of guys. So... Um, I understand it from their perspective. The Lakers, I don't understand why they wouldn't put, like, THT on the table. I don't even like the Laker package. Like, Dennis Schroeder, you know, expiring. KCP. With, and, and then, like, yeah, like, you, you know, okay, by the way, I, I understand that, like, averages aren't everything. But he's averaging eight points per game this year, shooting 25% from three. And I and I and like, we've seen some good highlights from him. But, like, that player on the cusp of restricted free agency is the guy you're not willing to budge on is kind of wild to me. But... Yeah, I don't know. The, the market just, I guess, wasn't there for Kyle, which is a little strange and probably a little bit unpredictable because I think the Raptors probably thought we have the most valuable player on the market. We have teams that are interested. Let's probably, 
you know, get fair value for this. And as the course of the day went on, it seems like all these teams just kind of fell out and chose plan B instead, which maybe the Raptors could have foreseen. But at the same time, it's hard to foresee the Sixers saying we need to compete for the championship. So we should get George Hill instead of Kyle Lowry. But that's what they ultimately decided. And Daryl Moore is a coward. So it is what it is. The, the Darryl, that is the biggest takeaway. Daryl Moore is a massive, massive coward. It's just not acceptable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think? Well said. I think it, it does definitely make sense. It makes sense in retrospect. Like when you look at all the, when you look at like, the context of every team and what they're really trying to give up and what they're trying to achieve, I see that like maybe it's not really necessarily about if they're undervaluing Lowry, but just that um, like they don't know if he's going to come back. They don't know what they're giving up and all that. So yeah, it makes sense. All right. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling in. And we still have Kyle, which is not nothing. But it is awkward, though. Like, here's the thing. I think because of what happened with Surge in the offseason, that's my biggest fear is, like, all right, so we have this very productive veteran, and, um, you know, he's he's a guy you choose to keep. And then at, at the end of it, like, you know, if if you disagree on the salary and, and Kyle walks for, you know, for free, um, I don't know. I mean, it's not like you gained nothing from it. Of course you did. You had you had Kyle Lowry, which which is nice. But um, I, I, I did kind of expect the Raptors to move him to address some of the other weaknesses on the roster. Like I thought yeah. coming out of this trade deadline, you shift into a bit of a retooling period, reloading, right? Not rebuilding. You're not tearing the whole thing down, but just reloading, right? Um, you probably try to get a young big into the pro- program, considering the Raptors have very few of those. You probably try to get uh, another first-round pick to, to you know get more cracks at the the, the the egg, and that didn't really happen either. They got second-round picks, which is fine, and I like those moves. And I even like the Gary Trent move. It's just I'm a little confused. It felt very like unfinished. And at this point, I'm really confused as to like what the plan is. Like, are the Raptors really trying to like? salvage the season because i mean it's possible like they're not that far out but like i i thought this team just got blown out by like the Cavs and the rockets like at that point like, what are you really saying so uh, yeah do you think the raptors are gonna make the push for the playoffs because i i still don't know i mean they, i think the play-in game is totally realistic but it's realistic for oh, like there's that big swath of teams um I don't really see the point in pushing towards it, um, especially without a clear vision of what the future is. It just seems to- like it feels very aimless. Is it just to, you know, ride out the We the North era? Is Kyle Lowry staying beyond next season? Like, are we going to have the same hand wringing and consternation in July or whenever free agency happens this year? I just I don't know. Yeah. Do you, do you think so? I guess what are your what are your expectations for the the balance of the season? Is it play in game or bust? Uh, no, I don't, actually I don't think any of the outcomes are necessarily that bad, and maybe that's why the Raptors felt ultimately comfortable with sort of keeping the rest of the team status quo a little bit. But um, if they continue to really really tank, I don't think anyone will really complain, right? Like you would get a good pick. Um, you know, at, at the moment, the Raptors are 
At the moment, the Raptors are closer to a top five in terms of lottery odds than they are to just the eighth seed in the East, which is wild. The, the eighth seed in the East is two games under. But in any case, um, I think they're... It sounds like they still want to go. And if they have Kyle, like, he's too competitive. He's going to want to yeah, go. Yeah. You have the guys healthy. Like, this team is going to make a push, which which is fine with me. Like, I think the team is good enough to get into um, a playoff position. It's just, like, because of how the season has gone, it's just... It's almost a little bit like it's too little too late. Like every single game from now on is pretty much a must win. They need to pull off like a five, six game winning streak to get themselves even. And, you know, the, you, the one thing where you can always look at it like, well, the Raptors only have to are only like three or four games out or whatever. But, um, you know, there's also m- multiple teams that are in that mix. Like Chicago just got an upgrade with Vucevic, you know, like I, I think obviously Boston is, you know, they I guess they technically got an upgrade in, in Fournier. Uh, um, you know, and they're and they're getting healthier. Miami's going up the standings, even though you know, and they made a bunch of additions. Like, if the Raptors really wanted to make a push, I don't think like swapping Norm for Gary Trent is like a win now move. It, it does. It's maybe a win neutral move, but yeah. you know that didn't really address anything. Like the Raptors needed, if they wanted to make a push, legitimately, they need to get a center, and we've been saying that since like literally the third game of the season, and uh, it just hasn't happened. So. We're going to get a next caller in from uh, Dave from Brampton. He wants to talk about the newest Raptor, Gary Trent Jr., and his upside. Dave, welcome to the program. Hey, how are you? What's going on, man? Not too bad, not too bad. Just so sad that Norm Powell is gone, but can't do anything about that now. Just, yeah, I just want to ask uh, regarding... uh, what do you think the upside of Gary Trent? I mean, I've seen him a couple times in Portland, but I know he's a higher defensive upside, but I just want to know what you guys think. Uh, well, I mean, A, I think the, the, the age matters here. I think him being 22, him showing like steady growth in his like three seasons so far um, is a positive. The Raptors, like Masai did talk about, like he just sees the upside in this guy, which is... Um, not surprising, I think. I'm not sure how much tangible upside there is in terms of, like, is he going to become a star player? But I do like him. Uh, you know, as a 22-year-old, being able to average 15 points, shoot over seven threes a game, hit 40%, uh, and also be a guy who the Blazers relied on as, like, a, a big-time guard stopper um, is is all appealing, I think. I think there is the upside for Gary Trent to become better than Norm as an all-around player. But scoring-wise, I mean, I think there's a reason why Portland made this move now because Portland wants to win this season and they want to make a push. And they got Norm because he's more of a complete offensive player than Trent is at the moment. So I think that's where they stand. To be honest, if Trent could be re-signed for like 12 to 15 mil, which we'll see. uh, But if they can re-sign him and add him to the core, like I do like the defensive potential of Fred, Trent at, at the one and two OG at three, Pascal at four, and then whoever they finally get at center. Like, those four guys, that's four, like, two-way players that I can feel pretty confident in. And if you have four two-way players already, then, you know, that's probably more than most teams in terms of starting lineups. Of course, they just need to get a center because, like, that that one position alone can ruin the whole team, as we've seen this season. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, guess, I guess that's why they made the trade. And uh, one more question. Uh, you think uh, Rodney Hood, the other guy who got in the trade, is going to get some playing time with us, or he's just like a backup, I don't know, ninth man or tenth man or something? 
I think Ronnie Head will see a little bit of the court. I think with Utah and Stanley both falling out of the rotation, there will be some competition for it. He was playing this season, if I remember correctly. But I, he's not going to be around next year. Maybe it's better to see if you can. But Stanley's not going to be here next year. I have no idea. <laughs> Who's behind OG in the rotation right now? It, it honestly, it might be Hood. If he can, if you can get Hood back to where he was when he was healthy, which wasn't like a stellar player by any means, but like he can shoot the three, he can score a little bit in between. Um, he's not like a star player by any means. He's kind of like an average bench guy. But to be honest, the Raptors haven't had like another scoring wing. And I don't even mean scoring in terms of like, you know, gets you buckets like, you know, Kawhi or anything like that. I just mean like a guy who can come off the bench at the three, four position who can score. Like we finally see Paul Watson hitting some threes now, which is nice. But like, you know, I think a guy like Rodney, if the Raptors do want to compete, I do think he is in the rotation for them, even though he's he hasn't played much for Portland this year, which um you know, we'll see. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll see when we, like, actually watch him, like, to see if he's, like, physically not there. And if he's physically not there, then maybe that's just is what it is. But um, if he can get back to where he was pre-Achilles injury, then he would be a guy who would definitely be in the rotation as a bench guy. Yeah. Tough for Stanley. Tough for Stanley. Okay. Yep. I appreciate the call, man. Peace. Okay. Peace. So are we bringing back the signature segment's original name? What's the? Uh, <laughs> no, nah, it's still. I mean, we yeah maybe we if Rodney doesn't play, we might need something like that, like Rodney's recommendations. That was original one was Rondé's recommendations. So, yeah, but then yeah. Rondé immediately <laughs> cracked the rotation. You think? Uh, do you think? Uh, no, there's there's no way that Rondé's gets one of these empty roster spots now. That'd be wild. Man, if, if they didn't sign if they didn't sign Rondé for any of the previous forty games, they probably going to sign him now. <laughs> what are they going to do with those roster spots? Are they just going to be like G League ten day guys? Like, is Allison going to be brought up to the team for the rest of the season? I think that actually it's not a horrible idea. Is he somewhere uh, else? I do not pay attention to G League transactions. Yeah, I mean, you know, I, on one hand, the Raptors do have a lot of G League players already, but on the other hand, what else are you really going to do with that time? <laughs> like, that's the thing, like. If they can get like a premium bio guy, that'd be great. The only issue is, um, premium bio guys probably aren't gonna be looking at the Toronto Raptors playing in Tampa Bay, being eight games under 500, and being like, "Yo, I need to go there." Maybe there's because the Raptors have minutes for them, they can go there. But like, I don't even know. And plus, like, bio guys aren't really that sexy. Like, it sounds cool in name, but like, you're, you're not getting the Blake Griffins, the Andre Drummonds, or like the uh, even Lamarcus, for example. We you're not get getting Olenek. these guys. It's old, we so can get you're getting like a Gorgie Jang off of Aya, which I would I would kill for Gorgie Jang on a buyout at this point to come to the Raptors. But um, yeah, it's it's it is what it is. You know, they, they Ken- look. They, they have they have six guys still who are like, you know, rotation players, and then the rest of them are just kind of figuring it out. But they went into the yesterday with six rotation players. I know, which is why this whole trade deadline was mad confused. But uh, listen, we have we have more trade deadline questions. So we have uh, Braden Bryden from Medicine Hat. He wants to talk about Masai holding on to Kyle. Welcome to the program. I think Bryden's uh, hey, YouTube well, comment. Oh, hey, Braden. How's What's Medicine Hat? Uh, it's a little snowy right now, honestly. You don't say. Have you ever been to Estevan? Uh, I wanted. Uh, yes, I've been there. Yeah. Pretty cool. My friend Braden's from Estevan, so shout out. 
Andy Shaw's from Estevan, so, right. you know. <laughs> All right, you want to talk about uh, Messiah holding on to Kyle? Uh, yeah, I think, like, I think the market sets the price. I think Masai was maybe a little out to lunch on what other teams were going to pony up for him, truthfully. If you think your house is worth a half million dollars, but no one's anyone's only going to pay 400000 maybe it's only worth $400,000. I think the real return on a, a Lowry trade is the Raptors doing the rest of this year as sort of a tank to try to get into the lottery. The real return is their own pick going into the lottery. On top of that, I feel like, if I'm not mistaken, we have to renounce Lowry to have enough room to do anything in free agency this summer anyway. So I'm not really sure what the thinking was on keeping them. If the, if the asking price was two prospects and two picks, and we only got the offer of one prospect and one pick, I really don't see the downside of getting Lowry to a contender and doing right by him and uh, getting that return and letting us fall into the lottery as well. Um, but I'll let you guys talk about that. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you, actually. Like, I'm I'm super confused as to this whole situation. Um, because, you know, I maybe now the idea is like, well, the Raptors have flexibility. They can move in this direction. They can move in that direction. Flexibility is cool, but, like, flexibility is not tangible. And flexibility is cool when you're, like, the... Uh, even, like, the Miami Heat or the Los Angeles Lakers. Like, if you have flexibility, that's great. You could probably use that flexibility to get a fridge or whatever. I don't think that flexibility idea, in terms of, like, flexibility and cap has necessarily been that productive. Like, we, last time we got real excited about the Raptors having a ton of cap space was um, 2015. We got Damari, which obviously can, we, you would expect day. that to be... Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was tough. That was tough. I mean, I was happy at the time because we had some real, like, um, I don't know, problems at small forward, but still, that was not the answer by, by any means. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm confused by this as well. I think... You know, the front office can say, well, look, you know, in the next offseason, you know, we can maybe sign and trade Kyle. And I was like, you know what? I feel like I haven't remembered a lot of, like, great sign and trade packages where you're like, wow, they got a whole bunch of picks and stuff like that. There's, like, the Malcolm Brogdon, which got two first-round picks from the Indiana Pacers, which were, which is pretty good. If the Raptors can get that, that'd be great. But, of course, Brogdon was also um, coming off a career year, and the Pacers really wanted him at at, at, point, at, at guard. Um the other trade sign and trade packages are generally speaking teams paying money so that they can have a trade exception. So like Gordon Hayward. Yeah. Um, have the Nets been that's, that's, conveyed? That's not, not, is that's not that's not sexier than getting like a precious Achua from like Miami or even just one of Maxi and, and Tybal from from the Sixers with maybe one first round pick. Like I kind of agree with that. Like if you basically decide this is not it, like we're we're, we're deciding to sell with Kyle, then yeah. And I don't know. It, it was not a satisfactory um, outcome in terms of the future of the franchise for me personally. Um, no, it was it it like I it was um, kind of a brick. Like it would it didn't we like I just said it. The Raptors came into the uh, trade deadline with six rotation pieces, and that's bad. They left the trade deadline with six rotation pieces and no clear vision for what the future of this franchise is going to be. I, I still, Masai and Bobby have earned the benefit of the doubt to solve the problem eventually. But the, uh, the like only explanation that I got yesterday was the same you could read on any Wall Street Brett's thread where you just say diamond hands, we're not, we're not leaving. Um, like it was just really 
what is the future? If the answer is Kyle Lowry is a franchise legend, he can stay here until the wheels fall off, and we're going to put as a um, statue in front of Scotiabank and rebuild then, that's an okay answer. But we didn't get that answer. We said, Masai said, we're going to figure it out eventually. The asking price um, for Kyle was as high as we think it ought to be, and nobody met it. It's just, what is going to happen to this team? Because you do have, you know, three real core pieces in Pascal, Fred, and OG. Those guys deserve a future. And I'm not sure that they're satisfied or the franchise should be satisfied with their future being Kyle gets to hang out for as long as he wants. Um, Even if that, and that's still not clearly the answer. Uh, I love Kyle as much as everybody, but we owe... We owe it to OG, Fred, and Pascal to give them a plan. And saying the plan is diamond hands, Kyle Lowry to the moon, is not an answer. Yeah. I mean, look, we'll be fully able to judge it next offseason based on what we what we see the, the outcome is. Well, is there anyone that comes to mind? I think you and I don't think that uh, the Lil Marcuses and Andre Drummonds of the world are totally uh, have their sights set on Toronto. What do you think? Uh, one option that does intrigue me is, let's say the Houston Rockets buy out Kelly Olenek. Like, I feel like Kelly could do some things here. And this is not just like the, oh, let's get the Canadian guys to come to you know, the Raptors, blah, 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 blah. I genuinely think Kelly Olenek could be a very nice piece for this team. As I said earlier this season, watching the Heat and stuff, I think like his ability to play and dribble handoff, actions fits a lot of what the Raptors want to do he's a stretching five he's a playmaker at the five which uh, you know Boucher has been a great finisher at the five um, like 75% of the time Aaron Baines has been like you know um, Aaron Baines and they don't have that playmaker at the five unless they put Pascal there which I don't still don't feel like full-time they really want to do so if Kelly gets bought out maybe try to add Kelly what does that sound sexy to you I, I hate former Celtics. <laughs> I know, man. But this is what it is at this point, you know? How many? How often do you think they're going to tell us that his... Uh, was it his mother or his aunt, who used to be the, the uh, timekeeper at uh, Air Canada Center? Isn't that part of his story? I I don't know. I just... Yeah. I like Kelly, I but I kind of like him from a distance. I, it's, it's cool well, when well. he has the Team Canada jersey... I don't know. It's very cool when he wears a team guy in the jersey. He, he's the only one I picture him and uh, Corey Joseph. Yeah, I just I, there's something about Kelly Olynyk that just doesn't get my fire going. But I agree. I think the team could use him. He is in the tier of uh, buyout guys that might make sense. Mm-hmm. And you know, are you in, are it? you are you interested in the TSN feature where it's like Kelly Olenek always dreamed of playing for the Toronto Raptors. Here's a shot of well, his childhood bedroom with a picture of Damon Sotomayor and um, Gary Trent Sr. <laughs> oh. Yeah, damn. Um, by the way, we want to let people know that, listen, um, I, I think the interface we have right now in terms of calling, like you're not necessarily always going to get through. So I do appreciate everyone for calling in. Uh, we're trying to take as, like, as many as we can get in. So we do appreciate it. Uh, obviously, we've uh, probably some people have called and not been able to get through. So that's uh, that's that's I don't know. That's unfortunate a little bit. Um, Josh, Gary Trent Jr. Is this exciting to you? Like, what do you what do you okay, what do you think best case scenario happens with 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 
Gary Trent Jr. He resigns, let's say, three year deal. Yep. You know, forty five mil, something like that. Yep. Yeah, I think and... that he could be a, like a starting shooting guard, play both ends of the courts in the future when we have all uh, women broadcast regularly. Kia Nurse will, you know, I think Kia Nurse was very funny, which I I guess expected oh, her personality, great. but she was really really good. I'm along with the rest of the uh, women broadcasters, did an excellent job. I don't know. I yeah, I think that he can be a. To, like he won't have the same appeal as Norm Powell coming off the bench, scoring 15 points in like a playoff game. Um, but he'll probably be a better defender. Uh, he'll definitely be a better defender. He might be able to get there as a, like a, a three-point shooting threat. I don't know if he'll be able to get to the basket reliably. And the Raptors need somebody who's able to get to the basket reliably in the half court. I I, I hope that. That's the development plan they put him on is like, hey, we need to figure out a way for you to to get to to the rim. But I don't know. It's just. I, I yeah, I'm excited for him. I, there seems like a lot of people that I like are excited to see him develop here. But mm-hmm. I don't know. How about you? Are you do you think you think he has a shot at being a core piece? You think that he can be a part of a Raptors basketball sort of tough defense when it all costs squad. Yeah. I mean, so you're probably going to still play small, I guess at this point, right? Like he's going to start at Raptors at over everything live. Yeah. It's a, that's and the that, problem is they, they've not solved the problem with this team and it's, I don't know. It's no disrespect yeah. to Gary Trent Jr. I'm sure he's a hardworking, talented individual. It's just tough to watch a team with problems, not solve them and say we will figure it out um, in a couple months. But yeah. we're, we're, we, still aren't, we still aren't tanking. We still aren't going to be six seed or better. We're At best case scenario, we're food in the playoffs. Worst case scenario, we miss out on the, the lottery. I don't know. It's just... Mm. I do hope that the team is interesting to watch because the last two weeks where they went on that huge skid was like eye-watering at times. Um, But I don't know. The more I sit with it, the more I feel kind of bummed out with the trade deadline. And then Masai saying, yeah, we'll figure it out if I'm sticking around eventually. Yeah, shout out Masai for not being, for just being like, oh, really? You're going to ask me about my future? We'll see. (laughs) Oh, man. It's a little unsettling, man. Because I, I look, I think really, as most human beings are, like if you can just like, have a plan, then the, there's the comfort of having the plan, right? I, I sound like the the dad from uh, from Parasite at this point. Uh, but like, Whoa. if you if you if you, you remember that scene where he's just like, you know, if you have a plan, then people all like don't panic or anything like that yeah. because there's a plan, and no matter what happens, there is a plan, and whether but- it follows the plan or not then there is a plan. Uh, when there isn't a plan, people kind of go crazy. And I think right now, people are a little antsy because not only because the Raptors are losing, but just like, yeah. um, you know, it's like they're, they're, I don't really know what the plan is. I don't even know if the plan is to continue winning the rest of the season. I think it is, yeah. but I also don't know, right? So um, in terms of Gary Trent, though, I mean, I think I'm excited to see what you get from him. I think at the moment, he's 3 and D, probably more 3 than D. Uh, a, a lot of Blazers fans have 
sort of made the point that he's not maybe as effective defensively as sort of his uh, activity suggests. He's I'm, basically they're saying he's a tryhard, which uh, I hope not. But <laughs> you know, we'll see. I think he's watching the closest of that. He does seem like a guy who does get into the ball, dig into the ball, attack the dribble. Which I love that. Like that's part of the why the, I, I really like the Raptors' defense is how many guys can just like invade your space. Um, but I do like your point though about like the rim protection or the, uh, the 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 rim impact that you can get from a guy like Norman Powell who can like drive it inside, um, and you just don't have that element with Gary. And the Raptors do already have a lot of three point shooting, so it is going to make for a little bit of an unbalanced sort of thing where the Raptors have even less guys now to put pressure on the basket. But again, I do think that if you have like a rim diving center, let's say you magically sprinkle like uh, Jared Allen onto this team. All of a sudden, you have someone who can pressure the basket and the offense can flow a little bit better. I think that's one of the things you really miss without having a legitimate center is like very obvious, but like centers impact the basket for the most part. And the Raptors haven't had a guy to impact the basket outside of Boucher. So it's uh, it's been a little tough. But well, let's let's take our next caller. Adele from Vancouver wants to talk trade deadline. What's going on? What's going on, on the West Coast? It's mad early for you. Hey there. How you guys doing? Doing well. How you doing? Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Oh, okay, perfect. Sorry, a bit of delay. Uh, hope you guys are doing well. Uh, first off, big fan. Been listening to your stuff for quite some years now, since before the championship run, and uh, yeah. But uh, I wanted to ask you guys for uh, you know your thoughts on the trade deadline. I mean, I'm sure you guys have already been asked this a lot, but um, I don't know. I was kind of thinking on the Norm Powell trade, and you know why. We gave up a guard for two more guards when arguably one of our more kind of downfalls is the center position, you know? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. what do you guys thoughts on that? So, is Daniel Tice the only center that got moved yesterday? Vucevic. Oh, yeah, Vuce. I didn't want to have we, we, were, we weren't going to get enough Vuce. Yeah, we yeah, weren't we in the Vuce sweepstakes. I still don't really understand why Daniel Tice got dealt. I think so. The the Celtics wanted to get under the luxury tax, and oh. Mo Wagner was cheaper and also spoke German still. So <laughs> they just got to maintain um, that Germanic uh, fan base. I just I don't understand. Okay, so if the answer is there weren't centers that got moved, so the Raptors couldn't get one, and the ones that got moved, the Raptors had no chance at. Sure. That was the second part of the question. The first part of the question was, I don't remember anymore. What was it, Will? Um, just, like, why did they trade for these guards, essentially? Like, to add more guards on the team when there was this big weakness at center. I think, my, for me, I didn't think the Raptors wanted to adjust the center position this year, specifically uh, because they were moving in a rebuilding kind of situation, and they might do it through free agency or the next offseason. Um, I do think, think the point of the fact that there hasn't been that many centers moved is uh, important in this case, and I think that was a factor. But also, I think, like, if you were going to get a center or if you're going to get even a big, like, the only big the Raptors are kind of linked to is Precious Achua, who wasn't even, like, the primary piece in, like, if the Raptors wanted to trade Kyle. And I think Precious was actually on the table, which the Raptors just kind of just said, we're good. Which, um, oh, okay, I get it. I mean, you know. Kyle Lowry for Precious of Chua is like a wild headline to read. It seems mad lopsided, but, you know. Yeah, that'd be a uh, wild headline to read. Yeah, yeah I, I don't just, know. Uh, the, the I don't know. I, I don't no think this is the plan. This is the thing. I, I think it's hard to explain this because I don't think the Raptors went into yesterday saying, we need to accomplish these three trades of 
Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis for second round picks, and then Norm for Gary Trent Jr. and and, and, and uh, Rodney Hood, and we're just gonna be done. Like that was not the plan. Like sometimes things just don't come out fully planned or or fully as uh, anticipated, and um, that's why the roster is still kind of in flux. I don't know, man. The, 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 I understand why people are upset at the trade deadline. I'm also a little upset. I don't understand it at all. So I guess even, even though I, I like have... the moves, though. That's the thing. I like the moves. That's the crazy part. Like, I actually really like. Gary Trent for Norm Powell. Like, I, I like that idea. I like him as a player. Even Rodney Hood is yeah. fine. But, like, and I like the second-round picks. But I just it's don't It's like we got all ones. sides. We got all of the side dishes on a pretty good plate. Like, you mm-hmm. know, we had – there were some nice moves. We can't deny that they were nice moves. But without there being that clear meal-defining item on the plate, in this case a Kyle Lauer deal, it's sort of like, well, why would we go get all of these things? Because we still don't know what what is for dinner. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree with you. The the main th- if they had tackled the main thing, which is just like which direction this team's going in, yeah. then you could probably feel a little bit better about it. But yeah, I'm I'm confused. We'll see what happens in the next few I few months. Confused. It's gonna be very interesting. I feel like you know there's there's gonna be changes. I mean, it didn't really fully happen at this trade deadline, but there will be changes. It's just crazy that it's been, it'll be two years since the title and still like some two years ago, Masai sat down with Valeria O'Brien trophy in front of, you know, Doug and Eric and Michael and said, we're the new Liverpool and did nothing for two years since then. And no, like, it's just kind of wild because he he should have said (laughs) we're the new Arsenal because that's more accurate. But do you, do you agree? Like, the brand building activity yep. has has not been there. The it hasn't. I don't know. Whatever. And maybe, and like I guess the the like downside of it is maybe some of this some of this has to do with uh, Pascal not ending up where you hope he would, and being a sort of world famous star. But that's not fair. That in what fair. universe was exactly? Know, How is that fair to Pascal? Like, in what universe was Pascal Siakam supposed to be on Coca-Cola bottles with Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo? Like that's but, that's ridiculous. But know? that's why this these last two years have been so like, what is going on? Like, what are we? I, what are we I think they're kind of. I think they're kindly pivot. Finally, kind of pivoting to a rebuild, or yeah. like a retooling, right? Where the Raptors are kind of back to just being like a, a decent club. Pascal's a, a good piece. Fred's a good piece. OG's a good piece. Um, and they're trying to pit, put pieces around those guys, you know, develop some talent, you know, restock the talent pipeline because it had been pretty dry for a while. Um, especially because, like, last year, the two guys who came in in terms of talent were, like, Matt Thomas and Terrence Davis, and you literally already got past those guys, which is fine. Again, I'm totally fine with them. I'm just saying, when you look back in retrospect, you know, this is what happened. So. Yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, maybe look, maybe they hit two huge home runs with their second round picks, and then they get a good first round pick next year, and then all of a sudden you have three more prospects in the in the pipeline. You have Trent resigned. You have flexibility. What happens? Whatever happens with Kyle, if he walks, you get some cap space. If you uh, don't let him walk, or if you sign and trade him, um, maybe you get like a small piece back. But yeah, we'll see. I mean, right now we're kind of in limbo and trying to randomly win the next game, which. Like you agree, right? So we 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 continue to start small. We just have um, Trent in place of Norm. We still have our bench is still Boucher and, and 
Aaron Baines and Malachi Flynn and DeAndre Bembry and Paul Watson? Is, is that, <laughs> that what we're saying? I guess, I guess so, man. I guess. All right. I guess so. <laughs> hey, man, well, listen, with that one win against the Nuggets, though, maybe it, maybe it changed things. You know, you never know. Sports are funny like that. They'll turn on a dime. If Pascal plays the way he played against Nuggets, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. We, we need to Yo, see more of that. If Pascal and Nurse fight, and this is the result, is that Pascal plays like that, Nick, man, you just got to get some earplugs or something. Like, invest invest in therapy or something, because <laughs> it's that's, that's what's best for the team. We have our next caller. This is amazing. We finally get Kate from Toronto, um, our go-to caller. She's been super uh, dedicated in calling in. Um, and, Kate, it's so good to hear you again. <laughs> Hi, guys. How are you? We're, we're kind of like so-so. I mean, Serge Ibaka just favored one of my tweets I, about No, Norm. you guys, okay. <laughs> I, I, have to, I have a bone to pick with both of you right now. Okay, um, go for it. Go for the it. Tone of this po- the tone of this podcast and this call-in show has been overwhelmingly negative, and I will not stand for it anymore. The okay, Raptors good. did a good job at this trade deadline, and I'm going to tell you why. First of all, Josh, what I just, you know, kind of your last point of topic has been and if I sat in front of a of a of a you know a, a plate of people and said we are Liverpool and and you next ask well what has he done what could he have possibly done the last two years that would have made you satisfied the uh, Raptors uh, yeah. management allowed allowed a title defense last year with our guys which was the right thing to do mm-hmm. and then from there you know who were they going to change or trade to make a to make a difference and then we we had a, a uh, an unprecedented global pandemic. Our guys came back not looking the same, and we still took the Celtics to, to Game 7 in the bubble. Um, if everything had been right and dandy, and we did that title defense in front of our home crowd, I guarantee you that we all know the results would have been different. Now, for this season, I mean, again, what did you want them to do? They're in, the, they're in Tampa. I don't really care if they're contending or not. So, you know, the results of this uh, of this, uh, of this deadline I think it's a, it's a huge positive we got off Matt Thomas who was not who fell out of the rotation and seemed to be throwing daggers with his eyes at Nick Nurse we got off PD who was a you know toxic yes. to the fan base or to many yeah. of the fan base mm-hmm. we got two second round picks can you hear me yeah <laughs> and uh and we got to keep Kyle Lowry because everybody was disrespecting him which brings me to the actual topic of my call today Which is Daryl Morey's a coward. Absolutely. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've already yeah, called yeah. this man the Malcolm Gladwell. Daryl Morey is a coward. This yeah. man this man went in front of his his pool today and his thought process behind the reasons why he did what he did at the trade deadline is he has a complex algorithm whereby he likes to break down the percentage likelihood within a two to four year time span that he is going to win the chip with any group of individuals. And he decided that the moves that he made yesterday, if he had made more significant moves, i.e. moving for Kyle Lowry, that would have declined his uh, his window or his percentage of win chance in outer years more than it would in some sort of weighted fashion. It's all weighted by year. Um, more than it would have increased his chances this year. So he decided that that move was not correct. And this is all fine and dandy until you realize that this is the exact same calculus that he used on that rocket squad 
that got them increasingly more and more desperate until they had the move of the year last year to move uh, CP3 for Russell Westbrook, give away all of their first round picks. And now look at where they are, having moved James Harden and it's a completely disassembled core. So if I'm a Philly fan and I'm looking at this and I'm looking at this calculus and thinking about the actual percentage chance of increase that Kyle Lowry would have had on their title contention this year, I'm thinking this sucks. Yeah, the, I 100% agree that like Daryl Moore in, in my um, Masai Ujiri is Wall Street bets analogy, Daryl Morey is Citadel. Like it is like Masai Ujiri is punishing yeah. Daryl Morey's cowardice. I completely agree with you there. I think it's crazy that his big acquisition is George Hill, whose most um, memorable finals appearance was bricking a game-sealing free throw and leading to the J.R. Smith-Hennygate situation. I completely agree. <laughs> I completely agree that, like, Daryl Morey should have bet. But One I still that I think, think that we're also yeah. sort of leaving. Sorry, keep going. No, you go. No, no, go ahead. I was going to say one thing that we're sort of leaving out of the calculation, which I think is also a part of it, uh, to me anyway, in reading between the lines, what some people have said today, it sounds as though Maury was not willing to acquiesce to Lowry's like contract needs for next year. So it sounds as though there was some cap, like tax implications that perhaps management wasn't willing to accept given the age of Kyle Lowry which, uh, again, cowardice and cheap cowardice. Yeah. It would be a lot of money doing, for doing those right four by, guys. It'd be a lot of money for, uh-huh. like, Joel, Ben, Tobias, <laughs> and Kyle. Like, it's a lot. That's a lot of money. But, yeah, I agree. So you should have the appetite to be a winner. Being what you need. As, yeah. Yeah, you should, have, you should be willing to go all in for the – you've trusted the process for seven goddamn years. Yeah. No, I, I wonder. Anyway. I I do wonder how that ownership group feels because they feel I I they they're one of the better healed ownership groups in the in the league. I don't know why there's. You really have to think that if with Kyle Lowry, over the next two two three seasons, you want to you or make the finals. Anything can happen in the finals, I guess. I mean, do yeah. they though? Do they beat like Brooklyn? Is Brooklyn? Together in two years? Yes. Well, I Are guess that's all? part of your calculus, but like, but I mean, what you do know for sure is that the next two years, the East is going to be run by Brooklyn. And if you're looking at the, if you're, then you're looking at what you what happens to your core in the next two years. And are you telling me that Ben and Joel are going to still, still going to be the Ben and Joel experiment? One of those two yeah. guys is going to demand a trade if they don't make it to at least I mean, they're probably they could they could probably make it to the ECF this year or next year, but I don't I'm not putting the, their chances up against Brooklyn's and saying that I think that they're going to come in on top. Anything can happen with injuries, but anything can happen with injuries when your guys are Ben Simmons and, and Joel Embiid. Yeah, that's fair. That's facts. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the market did dry up on everybody, which is which is you know not Masai's fault. Like I do think that like um, it literally takes two teams at least to to make a trade and. You know, Philly kind of like balked at the idea. Um, then okay, 
you know, um, you know, Miami. Okay, I, I understand it more from Miami's perspective because they had Oladipo in their back pocket, which is not a substitute. But I can see literally if it's if you're telling me Oladipo for free or I have to trade two rotation pieces and, um, you know, uh, promising uh, rookies for for Kyle, then yeah, I'd probably take the one that's free as well. They're also, by the way, they're under 500, so it's not like the Heat are like guaranteed to like make this push either. So I can see it from their perspective, mm-hmm. um, and they have more cap space in offseason that they can just sign Kyle outright. So I get it from their perspective. The Lakers don't really have much to offer. Like I, I didn't even know why the Lakers were in there other than just for like leverage. Brand because if the Raptors just came out of this with like, yo, if the Raptors came out of this with the trade of the Lakers, you understand that the Raptors would have three more guards. Horton <laughs> Tucker is a guard. KCP yeah. is a guard. Short as a guard. We would have had eight guards well, on we the would team have had to, once again. We, we would have had to trade. We would have been like, we would have been to guards what, you know, what Detroit is to centers. But, yeah, wish, you know. We should really make I a swap out. I really wouldn't mind seen. at this point. <laughs> like what they teach you in I basic that, economics that, class. I, I, the, uh, the, the, the situation with Miami, like everyone keeps saying, well, they can just sign Lowry into cap space in, in the offseason. The situation in the offseason is not that simple with them. Yeah. Um, certainly they do have cap space, but like, again, to your point, if you're adding Lowry to the team, ideally under an ideal situation, you'd be adding another piece as well. So whether that be either Oladipo or, you know, a DeMar DeRozan or something like that. And I don't even think that they can't really make the cap situation work um, without a sign and trade for at least one of those guys. So... Yeah. You know, it becomes really complicated. They have to start renouncing rights for some guys to like. It's just not as easy as just signing Lowry in the offseason. That's, That's fair. Anyway, uh, I think they're I think they're all cowards. I'm perfectly fine to watch Kyle Lowry mentor Gary Trent Jr. into becoming a defensive, not just a try hard, but somebody that actually makes an impact. I'm was not ready to see him go. It was terribly sad to not have him in Scotiabank Arena. And now the dream that Kyle Lowry comes back to Scotiabank Arena for at least one more game is still alive. And you know what, guys? Like, if we sign Kyle to another another um, contract in the offseason, I'm perfectly happy with that. He continues to be good. He continues to contribute, uh, whether it's just to our our locker room, on the floor, in every way possible. And if he wants to move on, he will still have trade value. So I'm perfectly fine with all of it. You know what? Trade off season. You're right, Kate. A plus. It's it's not terrible. This is it wasn't terrible. <laughs> what happened yesterday? You're right. You're right. We're we're look. We're expecting too much. It wasn't Realistically, a game. It was there was a only. It was, yeah, it was a B minus. To be honest, I like the three trades that actually happened, and if that's the case, then that's yeah. that's already pretty yeah. solid. So just resign Masai. Masai needs to resign. Masai, resign yourself, man. Oh, yeah. just, <laughs> I don't care if you this. resign anybody else. Resign yourself, like. Yeah, that's it. Enough of this, man. Enough. But, uh, that's all I need. I besides, think... like I'm saying, we're good. I right? I trust him. Just all I, of this. And I also was like not ready to to say, oh, look at what. Toronto gave away Kyle Lowry for a bag of chips. Like, you know, when we went in on our title mm. season and we went and traded for Mark Gasol, we gave up, a, a you know, two young guys that we had developed and that one of them stayed on to become a, a you know, a starter in, yep. at the, in the Grizzlies. And the other two pieces were traded away for assets for the Grizzlies. Like, yep. you know, I'm not willing to give away a franchise like <sighs> one for a bag of chips, period. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. That's probably what Masai was saying, man. 
How many times do you think Messiah called? We, we all would have rioted. He's a coward. He's a coward, and he's a, and he's a cheap coward. That's, uh, I'll tell him that if I ever see him. Oh, I, I, I would love to run into Daryl Morey. In fact, uh, I, I would tell him, him so many things. I definitely added him multiple times on Twitter yesterday. Daryl Cower, Daryl Morey, you are a coward. So. Word. Well, look, I'm, I'm happy you did that because that is, uh, yeah. Kate, thank you so much for calling. We, we have missed I you. Know. You know. And I miss you guys. Yeah, I know. It's it's been way too long, but um, we'll catch you in the Twitter streets and when we do our next live call. Sorry so. for scolding you. Next no, time <laughs> we needed this. We needed this. We were being little whiny kids. Let's be real. We were. You were being whiny. All right, okay, Kate. Guys, all right. We'll have a Thank good you. One. You Fave too. For Cade. Right, Fave for Cade. Fave for Cade. Oh, God. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Um, imagine if Masai just walked up and said, we're fading for Cade, and then Ooh, left I, this. I, I would have loved that. I would have loved that. <laughs> <laughs> but then what um, happened? Like, how does Evan Mobley feel when he walks up? He's like, what do you mean? You picked me? And he's like, yeah, Cade's, you know, he went two picks before you. What do you want? <laughs> um, what, it's good by, to by the way, back. before the show ends. Yeah, first off, yeah. Um, it is definitely great to be back, and it's great that we've uh, got the thing back and running. Uh, we're definitely uh, looking forward to getting more calls, and it's great to just like actually hear people and stuff. Um, one thing I wanted to say before we left was that uh, my boy Assad, or the, my boy Sahal, has been in the chat nonstop on Twitter, telling me to acknowledge him that he's in the the live chat. So thank you, Sahal. <laughs> if watch the uh, Raptors Republic live show as well after every game with uh, Sahal and Oren and they had me on yesterday to uh, react to some trade deadline stuff. I believe I gave some uh, poignant analysis on Gary Trent and uh, Matt Thomas being flipped. So yeah, that's uh, that's that. Josh, before we go super quickly, um, we had to do our signature segment. We still have Malachi's missions. He's still on missions, okay? Until he like scores... Until he's like getting consistent rotation minutes, that I mean like more than 15 minutes a game, he's going to oh. be on missions from us. So. Malachi needs to stop sh- pulling up whenever he touches the ball. It's crazy. <laughs> Does he have it's, other moves, man? It's Does crazy. Does he have other moves? Like, like buddy, I, you know, I, I like Malachi, but you got to have some discipline when you show, when you, when you get out there. He just looks to shoot immediately. Immediately. Mm-hmm. Well, there is. He is a small guard, but I mean, whatever. We'll we'll figure that out later on. Yeah. Um, for Malachi's mission this week, I am going to recommend something that I've uh, done myself, um, and it's a recommendation for you know people uh, in around. If you can figure out a way to make um, your own homemade pizza, I recommend picking up an outdoor pizza oven. They're fairly affordable. You know, they're not super cheap. But I got one the other day, and it's an been the most fun. pizza oven? Yeah. This Matt, is what well, happens you, a year into you the and, pandemic, man. Exactly. You're making pizza outside. Wow, exactly. That's, that's well, nice you level. and your partner are welcome over whenever okay, you want. I, I, we will come, yeah. I know that you're pushing a whip now, which is very exciting. I do want to check that out all as right, well. All right, relax, relax. <laughs> yeah. But all but, um, money gets. Anyway. If Malachi is looking for a way to squeeze in meals when he... Uh, have to make a sudden uh, uh, changes to his plans when the Raptors ask him if he can start, um, you know, squeezing a pizza. How about you, Will? What's your, what's your mission for Malachi? You know, I don't, I don't even know at this point, man. Here's the thing. I have been watching, 
I've been, I have been doing so much like trade deadline coverage and stuff that I don't think I've actually done anything else in my life other than that recently. <laughs> um, so my Malachi's mission is just to look, listen, be mindful. Um, and, uh, you know, just slow down, like go outside for a walk. Don't like, if you're like one of those people like me who obsessively looks at basketball, watches basketball on YouTube, listens to podcasts, watches games, then goes on Twitter and tweets about it. Like at some point it's going to be too much. You're too much in your own head about something that you can't affect, that you're just there to specifically enjoy or at least react to. You got to like step outside and like go for a walk. Maybe this is just for my own personal advice. But yesterday after the podcast that I recorded with, uh, you know, um, Alex and, and Vivek on the podcast on, on the trade deadline, I literally just like rode my bike outside for a while and like went to shoot hoops in the rain. Did not make a lot of jumpers, which has nothing to do with the rain. It just has to do with me not being a good shooter. But, like, that actually did reset things, which I know I realize I'm saying get away from basketball, and I said I want to play basketball. But, hey, listen, playing basketball is physically a lot different than listening and, and watching basketball. So That sounds more like My a recommendation to... for Malachi's dad. Probably, actually. Stop watching Raptors games and just, like, enjoy life, man. Your son's <laughs> in the NBA. Things are good. Things, will things come. are great. Things are great. Yeah. yeah. I, I wish nothing but the best for the Flynn family. I'm really a big fan, especially after seeing that family photo. Now I that family photo is legendary. Are there any family photos of um, Gary Trent Jr. and Senior and all of the Garys? I already made my Gary Dose joke, right? That was actually that's, Dan that, Dan's a, jokes. So, but yo, that's Dan. that's a bar though. That that was, a that's a bar. <laughs> I, I love that one. So, but anyway, that does it for the show. Thanks everyone for listening. We run a little bit long, so we appreciate it. Um, in terms of our next live call-in show so we're gonna plan to have these on mondays at noon not fridays this one we did for the trade reaction um but we're gonna have them on mondays we're gonna have them on noon it's gonna be every other monday but the best way to look out for it is just to follow the iowa sports canada youtube page and to follow the iowa sports canada uh twitter page and we will plug the show there and let people know when people can call in in the meantime you can leave voice messages and uh we thank everyone who called in josh we're back we're back kyle Lowry's back you know, and uh, we got to go and beat the Phoenix Suns tonight uh, to save our lives. So let's do that. Okay. <laughs> Phoenix is pretty good. I know. <laughs> the real issue. I don't know. The Raptors are in a weird spot, but we got to win. So Yeah. All right. Peace. Thanks everyone for listening. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. 
So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program.